What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Tanner Dimling here with y'all. As always, we continue our season preview, conference by conference, season preview for the 2021-3 season today. Looking at the America East, looked at the ACC on Tuesday's show. We'll be going alphabetically, A, A Sun, Atlantic 10, Big East, so on and so forth, over the next few weeks. Reminder, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and practically wherever else you get your podcast. You can read lacrossebucket.com. We have Season previews for every single conference coming up on there as well over the next few weeks as we march towards the 2023 season, which, as I sit here today, is just 31 days away. That's right, exactly one month until the college class season starts. By the time y'all are listening to this, we'll have bit uh will be less than a month. Uh, then the season 30 days, uh, the season gets underway February 4th officially today, January 4th, as I sit here and record this. Let's get into things here on today's show. Again, looking over the Atlantic, looking over the America East Conference. We did the ACC the other day. You can go back and listen or watch that as well. And as I mentioned, we'll be going through each conference alphabetically on the podcast here over the next few weeks as the season approaches. With the America East and with some of these bigger conferences, um, we're going to do things a little differently. If you listened to uh, Tuesday's show, you know I went through all five of the ACC teams um, in order somewhat of the projected finish or what I assume the projected finish will be um, my prediction for that. And then, so we, we went that way. Um, uh, mostly on today's show would be a little different. Um, we are going to dive a bit deeper into the top three teams in the conference. Uh, obviously with eight teams in the league this year, um, and, and a lot to get to with this league. Uh, we're going to kind of, I'm going to kind of have some tidbits about some of these, uh, the, the bottom teams, uh, but we're not going to get into each team uh, as specifically as we did the other day when looking at the ACC. So first and foremost, projected final standings for the America East. As of right now, I have Vermont sitting there at number one. I have UMBC sitting there at number two, Albany as three, and Bryant as the fourth team there. I have Merrimack as fifth, Binghamton sixth, UMass Lowell seventh, and NJIT eighth. Before we move on to our team breakdowns, want to note a little bit here, Bryant Merrimack. Yes, they are in the America East now. If you missed that this offseason, moving from the NEC to the 
America East. Stony Brook is out of the league. They've gone to the CAA. You also have multiple new head coaches in this league as well. Bryant with Brad Ross taking over for Mike Pressler, who retired from college uh, collegiate coaching back in uh, June uh, or July, whenever it was there in the summer. You have UMass Lowell with Drew Kelleher taking over there as the program's second head coach um, in, in program history, taking over for uh, Eric Stevenson, who uh, resigned at the end of the season. And then Travis Johnson also resigned at NJIT following last season. And you have Eric Wolf taking over uh, that spot as well. And we're going to, you know, for a little team breakdown segment here, we, we're going to go with some of these bottom teams first and and kind of hit on those. And and starting off here with NJIT, um, a team that went winless last year, they've got a new head coach in Eric Wolf who did a tremendous job there at LIU. They were in the NEC uh, conference uh, tournament each of those two years that they were in that league fully. Obviously, 2020 didn't have the uh, the full season, but uh, guided LIU uh, from Division Two to Division One, and they had a lot of success there. Uh, the, the first couple seasons in Division One, um, you know, excited to see what he brings to NJIT, a program that has very much struggled. Um, does not have many wins to its name as a lacrosse program. They've got good facilities. Um, we'll see what Eric Wolf can bring there to NJIT. And as far as this season is concerned, uh, they do have some players and do have some some spots that I think are interesting. Uh, Lynch Raby is gone, so they're going to need to find a kind of that alpha dog there on the defensive end. Has been a really good defenseman for them. Uh, Raby has he has graduated. Uh, Teddy Grimley, uh, one of the top defensemen, returning there. Uh, you also have Gavin Wilson uh, coming back there on the offensive end. Uh, so watch for him there. Gage Adams, the uh, you know all rookie, uh, honorable mention, I believe it was selection uh, in the America East last season, has transferred to Binghamton. So we'll see him stay in the America East, but not with NJIT this season. So that's an area of interest there, how they fill that hole. Um, and then the faceoff dot uh, is, is an area of intrigue, I would say, for this team where they have had the best season as a face-off unit last year. They've got multiple guys that uh, could take over that spot. It was kind of a committee approach at certain points last year, and they had some good performances there. Uh, so, uh, again, just some areas of intrigue there with NJIT. Uh, with UMass Lowell, obviously you have a new head coach uh, there as well, and, and Drew Kelleher, and he did a phenomenal job at Manhattan. Um bringing them to the top of the MAC from really what was uh, from what was the bottom of the conference there and and, and was there for uh you know you know quite some time and had a uh, tremendous run of success there at Manhattan really built that program and got that program to a place where they need to be successful uh as far as facilities and things of that nature go as well there at Manhattan he comes to UMass Lowell uh, a program, uh, a new program as well that has had really one season that you could say was like a 
a, a, a massive success uh, for a new program. I believe it was their fourth year back in 2018 or 17, somewhere in there, where they made the uh, America East tournament and believe they lost to Albany in that first round game. But since then, have not had that kind of same amount of success and, and really have been on the down on the downside there at UMass Lowell in many respects, uh, but have had some good players there. Connor Foley, uh, a really, really good attackman that was the leading scorer last season. Eric Flynn, a uh, really exciting pole. Uh, both those guys are now gone uh, fully at UMass uh, this season as a transfer. So they lose some pieces there that they're going to have to replace. Uh, one name I do want to mention here with UMass Lowell is Carly Sears, a guy who was a all-rookie selection last year in the America East, really had a strong season late in the, uh, late in the year, came on late as a freshman, had a strong season. I, I think he's a guy to watch there for UMass Lowell, a very interesting player that uh, really had some success last year. We'll see how he carries that over into 2023. Um, and, and so w- with this new coaching staff there at UMass Lowell, the goalie position has been kind of a revolving door the past couple of seasons. So I'm interested to see if they can find some stability there, not only just this year, but over the past, over the next few years, because they've had, they found some good, some good keepers, but have had them transfer out a year or two later or, 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 or graduate. So we've had a revolving door there at UMass Lowell at the goalie position, uh, another area of interest there uh, concerning the Riverhawks. Now, moving to Binghamton, uh, this is a, a team last year that I was very impressed with what they did. They had to replace practically an entire coaching staff. Uh, they replaced half a coaching staff this year um, in, in terms of having Nick Grill leave to take the defensive coordinator job at Vermont. Um, so you've had to replace them. And I, I think this is a team, and, you know, Coach McEwen has done a, a tremendous job there at his alma mater. Um, and you know how much he, he cares about that place and has led this team to success, has brought good players in there. Um, and they have made the American East tournament twice under his tutelage uh, thus far. I believe his first year back in 2016, and then last year as well. This year possibly could be a down year for Binghamton. Um, I would say Binghamton, Merrimack, Bryant, I, I kind of all have in that same mixture there um, f- from that you know four through um, six spot. I, I don't know how much of a gap is there. I think Bryant could certainly be the much, much better program or team of those three uh, this season based on what Bryant has done historically. Um, But Binghamton, Merrimack, Bryant, all those three, I I kind of, it's difficult to get a lead on those teams coming into the season with what they, um, with what they lose, kind of those spots in there, uh, mostly concerning to Merrimack with they can't, make the postseason yet. This is the last year of that postseason ban. So um, we'll see how each of those three kind of, uh, you know, where they fall in the packing order. But but I think right now, coming into the year, I kind of have them kind of all mixed in there right together. 
for Binghamton, though, they do have some big pieces that they lose last, from last season. Kevin Winkoff, the leading scorer, is gone. Uh, you also have Teddy Dolan. Uh, the stellar goalie is also gone. Uh, Winkoff transferring to Penn State and Dolan to Maryland. Both as graduate transfers. Dolan, I think, has two years left of his eligibility uh, there in College Park. And when you look at Binghamton, uh, Thomas Greenblatt and Matthew D'Souza, the uh, midfielder and faceoff man, are the two top guys to watch out for on that roster. I think they've got a solid core that they can start to rebuild around. We'll see how much success they have, though, here in 2023 uh, after losing such uh, you know impactful players as Winkoff and Dolan. Now, with Bryant, I mentioned they have a new head coach as well. You're also moving into a new conference. So it's a new era kind of on two fronts there in Smithfield. And we know Bryant has kind of been the, you know, quote unquote, um, blueprint for a program moving up from Division Two to Division One and the success that they can have because of how successful Bryant has been. They've won multiple uh, first round. Uh, they've won uh, multiple NC. NEC tournaments, uh, championships. They have won uh, NCAA tournament games. Obviously, the big upset over uh, Syracuse back in, what was that, 2011, I believe it was. They gave Virginia a run for their money in 2021 as well. So this is a team that can consistently and, and has consistently shown they can compete with some of the best teams in the country. Um, and you've got Brad Ross coming in there now who – uh, played and coached, I believe, um, under Mike Pressler. So he uh, uh, coached under Mike Pressler, excuse me. He has that knowledge of how things will run there. And he comes in from Navy, a historic power there where he was the OC with Joe Ampo. We'll see how things go in year one. Uh, they lose a ton of talent. Uh, Bennett Abladian is at Cornell. Luke Caracciolo is at Hopkins as presumably or could be the starting goalie this season. Um, And then you also have LeJohn Jones and multiple other players transferring out. Jones going to um, Rutgers along with John Miller, uh, another uh, 2A midfielder type guy there for Bryant as well, heading to Rutgers also with the you know, similar John Jones. So this is a Bryant roster that's kind of been gutted from the inside out. And w- w- with so many guys leaving, it's very difficult to kind of piece together, like what is the expectation for this program in 2023? I, I mean, the expectation is to win because that's always the expectation of Bryant. And they never have too many down seasons. And when they do have a down season, they're not down for long. We saw a couple down years there um, a couple years ago, but they've bounced right back up and have been in the NEC uh, title picture. The America East is going to be a tougher conference for them for sure. Um, so we'll see how they handle that. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see what Bryant does here in 2023 and beyond with Brad Ross. But I, I think history tells us uh, success is going to follow. Um, in some way, shape, or form uh, for the Bryant Bulldogs. Uh, that, that is what history has shown us. And, you know, uh, until, until it shows otherwise, I'm, I, I, I am putting it on Bryant to be successful 
in the America East. Now, 2023, I don't know. Uh, I think they can have a winning season for sure, but exactly how good they're going to be, that is yet to be seen, and, and, and we want to see those guys on the field uh, before uh, you make kind of any any assumptions or judgments about what is this team going to be. Um, obviously losing a ton of guys, Aiden Goltz, uh, Timmy Hackett, uh, two of the top players returning that you need to know for the Bulldogs there uh, this season. In terms of Merrimack, again, I mentioned this is a program that is entering its final season of uh, postseason ban, if you will. Uh, when you move up from Division Two, uh, holistically, right, you can't uh, participate in the postseason for a number of years. Um, I think it's four years is the ban. And so that would have been 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023. This is that last year uh, for Merrimack. And um, this is a a program that has been very successful at the Division II level, won back-to-back Division II national titles. And the roster right now has a lot of intriguing players, has a lot of talent on it. The Rooney brothers uh, there on attack are, are, are super exciting players to watch. And then Henry Voigt uh, in cage is an absolute stud who has had some really big games throughout his career. So uh, two guys certainly to know there for the Merrimack Warriors as they enter their first season of play in the America East. Um, and once again, no matter where they finish, they cannot compete in the postseason until next year. Uh, so really this year, I think for them and in the past three years has kind of been building towards this point where they can eventually, uh, you know, be successful in the postseason when they do get that opportunity. So uh, Merrimack continues to build in that respect as well. When you look at the top teams in the American East, though, it is very clear that Vermont is the top team, I, I think, once again. And look, Vermont, two-time back-to-back champions in the America East. They lose Thomas McConvey. They lose Michael McCormick. They lose Liam Lamoges on offense. That is a ton of talent to lose on that end. They also lose Ryan Cornell in cage. That's a, that's a lot of talent. That is all-conference talent. That is all-American talent that they lose on offense and in, in cage at the goalie position. Like That is an insane amount of talent to lose. It's no joke, right? However, this is still a team that brings back the best roster in the America East, even with those losses. You've got Tommy Burke back at the faceoff dot, arguably the best faceoff man in the America East, one of the top 10, 15 faceoff men in college lacrosse in general. Um, you've also got David Klosterman back there at the attack spot, is going to be running that offense this year. Um, and then with him, you have got some younger or less experienced guys, such as Brock Haley, Griffin Finich, who are back as well. I expect both those players to step up huge here in 2023. The biggest, biggest question for me with Vermont is not like, are they the most talented team at this spot, this spot, or that spot? The biggest question for me is, who do they get to replace Ryan Cornell and goal? I'm pretty confident in Vermont being able to replace those guys and build up an offense that's pretty uh, sizable or sustainable on offense. And, and I should mention Jake Bodenhart gone as well. 
Uh, you've got uh, Murphy in there as the OC uh, coming over from uh, Michigan. Uh, you've got Bernhardt went to Maryland back to his alma mater. So you even have a new uh, voice on the sideline there offensively as well. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that builds, how that develops uh, on the offensive end. But for me, the biggest thing is isn't goal is who they get to replace Ryan Cornell because he was a fantastic player throughout his career there, uh, starting, I think, the past two or three seasons for them has been phenomenal. Um, and it, they do return some phenomenal players around the cage at close, including Jackson Canfield, who was injured in 2021, had a stellar bounce-back season last year, uh, returning from that injury. And that entire defense is back, and they've got a number of poles that they can trot out there that can be effective, uh, both at close, LSM. Like, they've got a, a really strong defense, and I, I know that's something they very much emphasize there um, at Vermont is having top 25, top 15 defenses each and every year. And so uh, that aspect of it, you know they're going to have that, but who specifically is in cage? Who is is that voice in between the pipes? It's going to be interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. But I do think Vermont still, once again, the best team in the America East. UMBC, another team that has consistently been strong defensively. Uh, Craig Chick takes over the entire defense this season uh, as for the first time there as uh, their defensive coordinator, Joe Bucci, goes to uh, Penn State in the same position. And they also lose Colin Kastner, uh, a, a really, really stud there on defense uh, for them, for the Retrievers, a big piece of the identity on that back end there. We'll see where things go here with the UMBC defense. However, I do think despite the losses, um, we do have uh, a number of players uh, on that roster. Colby Weisher in particular, who I think could be the American East defense player of the year if he uh, has the year that we we think he could have. Uh, you've also got um, Ricky F uh, uh, Federica, as well as Tony Diallo there as well. Uh, all three of those guys are back and are solid poles. You've also got Poff and Edwards there at the defensive midfield spot. I think that's a really good core group there to rebuild uh, excuse me, not rebuild, but but to continue that defensive success around there for UMBC. Uh, Jason Ting, is is he going to be the starter in goal? He started the uh, last two games of the season, the two, uh, the America East semifinal game and the title game. We'll see if he sticks in cage there as the starter after starting the postseason last year. He's back. He's the uh, top goalie back. So we'll see what that goalie position looks like. Uh, offensively as well, I think UMBC still got some some solid pieces there. Uh, a, a kind of a younger offense, if you will, in terms of the offensive core and a new offensive coordinator in Mikey Herring. Uh, you've got Kevin Doty back. Uh, you've got Josh Tang back and Brian Trangone back uh, there to lead that offense. This is a UMBC team that was kind of sneakily good last year. They they didn't maybe have the best start that you uh, maybe expected them to have. Uh, they maybe didn't have some of those big wins that they've had in the past, non-conference-wise, but and they did take some losses in conference play, 
going into uh, the tournament, though, going into April, uh, they kind of turned on the Jets, and, and they had a strong finish to the season. And uh, this is a team that could very well uh, fight for that American East title once again here in 2023. Albany. So I'm going to lead off the, these guys that Albany has back first. Graydon Hogg is, is back as the leader of this offense. Jake Pacino, Elijah Gash are a menacing duo on the back end. You put them at LSM, put them at close, wherever you want. Um, and then you've got Reagan Endo's back at the faceoff dot. You have to be confident in him. You have a hole in cage, and you have some pieces to fill offensively. Other than that, like I'm a big fan of this Albany team. I was heading into last year. We This is not the exact same roster they had in 2021, but a number of these guys were big pieces on that 2021 team that was, by many standards, a bounce-back season for Albany after a uh, very poor 2019, a uh, 2020 that was cut short and wasn't the best, and then you also had a... 2021 uh that was stellar so kind of down you down you didn't get to finish and then boom you right back up there 2018 remember they make the final four they go to championship weekend they lose all that talent from that team and they're kind of making their way back i think um now that's the biggest question for me is not only like, I know that these guys can produce, and we've seen them produce. For me, it's like, is the right amount of depth there? And is the consistency there? I think that is going to um, really be to the biggest decision makers as to how successful this Albany team is in 2023. We know what Scott Moore has done at Albany. We know what he's built this program into. They are the best program in the American East historically. Right now, they gotta they gotta tackle Vermont. Right now, they've got to get back to where they want to be. And what Albany wants to be is what Vermont is. Vermont, we just mentioned they lose all these guys, and we still have them pegged as the best roster and the best team in the American East. That's what Albany used to be. You'd say, okay, they lose X, Y, Z, right? But they're still probably the best team because they were telling this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy came on late. Um, you have this guy was just a freshman last year. Like they, they, they used to have that. They've had that in spots recently. And I think they have that in many spots this year. We'll see how it all comes together, though. And I've been asked a lot throughout this offseason about Albany from people, um, are they going to get back to what they were? You know, championship weekend caliber, that's going to be very difficult. But to be in the top team in the American East, yeah, they certainly can get back to that. They've got the infrastructure. They've got a, a great coach, great coaching staff. Uh, they've got the fan base for sure. Now, they just got to get the players on the field to kind of put this thing together. And again, depth consistency, I think, is what's going to uh, be two of the biggest determining factors as to whether uh, Albany can get back on track here in 2023. Um, to, 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 to wrap things up here, though, Vermont, for sure the best team in the America East coming in this season. 
I love what they've built there in Burlington. I think it's going to continue this season. I would pencil them in as the uh, champions this year once again. However, UMBC, I think, is the next closest team to them in terms of what they bring back, in terms of what they did a season ago. And a big piece of that is those young pieces that they return on offense, plus the consistency they've had on defense year after year uh, with different guys stepping in and stepping out. And and they've had a consistent run of success there defensively. Faceoff dot, we'll see how that pans out there for them. Um, and at some other positions as well. Again, like the D-mid depth and, and position a lot. Albany, got a lot of pieces. Braden Hogg is a phenomenal player. Elijah Gash is a menace on defense. Can they build out that depth consistency around some of those key players? And that's going to decide how far they can go. But those right now, for me, looking at it, are the top three teams in the America East. You've got a lot of interesting storylines in this league, new coaches, new teams. Uh, you know, a program like Bryant coming in is, is huge. You know, We'll see how things go in the American East here in 2023, and it's certainly going to be an interesting league to follow, as it always is. Uh, one of the better um, mid-major conferences in college lacrosse for sure. We'll be back on Sunday uh, discussing the – A-Sun Conference, the Atlantic Sun Conference, as they enter their second year back on the Division I men's landscape. Uh, As I mentioned, continue to break down these conferences as the weeks go by and as we inch closer to the Division I 2023 college lacrosse season. As always, you can listen to the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. Crossbucket.com, where it's always cross season.